This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. Rise and shine, A's fans. It's time to greet the day with extra base hit. From late nights at the Coliseum. Hits a right field and shallow. A trio of A's kept going out. Makes an unbelievable circus catch. A leaping, diving play by Tony Kemp. To early mornings with a fresh cup of joe. Say, we've got time for a coffee before you go. That'd be nice. Splendid. Extra base hit will make your day green and gold. Plug on a fly ball. Well hit right center, but playable. Laureano near the track. Edge of the track. Makes the catch. And the Athletics get a great opening night win. Here's Jessica Kleinschmidt. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Extra Base Hit here on A's Cast. You can find us at athletics.com slash A's Cast. I find that's the easiest way to track us down. Jessica Kleinschmidt here with Ray Jensen. Ray, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Jess. I'm doing doing all right. It's, uh, it's an interesting time of the year. We had the NFL Hall of Fame game last night. The trade deadline's come and gone. We're finally out of L.A. and ready to come back home to the Coliseum. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good this morning. I have an MLB trade deadline hangover, but for no reason. (laughs) And we'll get into that later. It's like the only way I can describe it. But coming up, we do have a quick homestand this time around. I feel like the last homestand lasted 18 years and now they're gone and I miss them and they're coming back for only a short time. The A's will be hosting the Giants for two games for that Bay Bridge series. There's a million terms that people name this. I like Battle of the Bay, but I know... You can, it's the actual name itself for the Bay Bridge series and a three game stint against the Texas Rangers. Some more trade stuff to go when it comes to the Rangers. Feels like they're always in it. On Saturday, we're going to celebrate International Trading Card Day at the Coliseum with the Tops Card Giveaway. For early arriving fans, for tickets, go to athletics.com slash tickets. Are you a collector of any sort, Ray, when it comes to memorabilia or any of those things? I was a little more before I moved out to California. I have a lot of crap back at my parents' house, so I, I would say I'm a collector of garbage, If depending on what you... <laughs> You look at it as, but my wife's the bigger collector out of the two of us. She has been collecting Pokemon cards since she was like little, and she still collects them to this day. We joke it's how we're going to pay our kids through college. Why not? My my nephew has all of my Pokemon cards. So, I mean, as long as they're being utilized and I'm happy with it. And it's interesting because I obviously don't care about autographs. I could get fired if I asked for autographs. And I want people to know that. So stop tweeting at me and saying, Jess, can you get so-and-so to sign my ball? Because I will not do it. But I actually talked to Amelia Schimmel about this, the A's PA announcer, because we've talked about how we collect things from career moments. And so I have, you know, the scorecard from Domingo Herman's Perfect Game, the block breakdown from my first show hosting with uh, Stu on NBC Sports Bay Area. I'll collect things for my background right here. I have a good Joey Votto action figure which i feel like you would appreciate um a houston street sign my best friend in the whole wide world who is the reason why i love joey Votto, gave me her old Votto license plate in california with a heart on it like let's go and i think it's cool and people will just send me things and i'm very appreciative but it's just one of those things like somebody randomly sent me an autographed craig kimbrell ball great i don't know what to do with it but i appreciate it but that's the thing I have so many Christmas presents for my nephew, who is a big baseball fan. He doesn't know who Craig Kimbrell is, but he's going to have a signed baseball of his. So, you know, like, you know, tickets when they witness history. I think that's the exact same thing that we collect 
as fans. But speaking of history, Sunday. Sunday, Ray Ray, is a big day. And I'm really excited about this on a multitude of reasons. Five A's greats will be enshrined in the A's Hall of Fame on Sunday, August 6th. Be there early to see Jason Giambi, Carney Lansford, Gene Tennant, Bob Johnson, and Roy Steele to be honored as the latest inductees into the A's Hall of Fame, the 2023 class. And, you know, Giambi stopped by A's Cast Live with Townie. And you can watch the interview on youtube.com slash athletics. All the videos are under the A's Cast Live playlist. Just, just type in A's Cast Jason Giambi, you'll find it. It's right up there on YouTube. And you know, Ray, I, I, I get so giddy because the early 2000s is when baseball became the love of my life. And that wasn't just because of watching the A's or watching the Braves on TBS. I played baseball. That's when I really started playing. And Giambi was kind of at the, the center of it all. And at the center of his world was Mark McGuire. You get on the A's and that's the guy that you're learning from. And so Giambi stopped by and he talked about how 2000 was a big year for him. He was an AL MVP. Uh, this is one of five stall, five all-star selections. And you know, it was interesting, Ray. From then on, the next six years, Giambi was still in MVP talks. He was runner up the following year behind Ichiro. But you know, we've all lost something to Ichiro. It's going to happen. But here's Giambi on the 2000 and the 2001 squads. They were incredible because my brother was there as well. Yeah. You know, and it was like Little League. It was like going to the park every day. Just, I had never got a chance to play with him and, and to have that opportunity, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that. And I think that's some of the reason, you know, and that's the same year that I started dating my wife. So it was like my world had become complete and it was, you know, having a great time in the organization. It was incredible. And all these surrounding people that I had, it's just, I think that's what brought it to the, through the roof is just that it was all, it all came together. It all came together those two years. Imagine just landing on the A's and your life begins. And not just from a playing perspective, he mentioned, you know, playing with his brother who unfortunately passed in 2022. It was like Little League. You get to fall in love with the game again. And I think a lot of players that's missed on them. Think about it. One one day you're signing up for Little League and the next you're signing a paycheck. It's so weird. So that love is still there. And he mentioned, you know, being like meeting his wife who, you know, they started dating back then. And he would follow around Mark McGuire like a, a puppy dog earlier in his career. And you get to learn from a, a superstar saying it helped him, immensely helped him learning his, with his learning curve. And unlike us, he asked for Mark McGuire an, an autograph. Why not? You're sharing a clubhouse with him. That's amazing. You know, I had FP Santangelo Sr. on A's Total Access presented by Chevron last season. And he said that something that really resonated with me, he mentioned the Motley, it was like the Motley crew, the A's of that era. They would have so much fun. The clubhouse was, was bumping. The moment it was first pitch, they would get down to business. But it was fun, and that's what ultimately separated them from everyone else. And I feel like that was something I think that still trickles to the A's today. You know, I'm in that clubhouse all the time, and no matter what's going on, there's still a good vibe, which I always appreciated. You know, obviously, Giambi, like the rest of them, ultimately ended up in New York, as as most do. And here's what he had to say about leaving the A's. It was really tough. I had a deal on the table and, and they had pulled it off. And, and then I played that whole year without a contract, you know, so that which opened the door 
to other teams. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I tried and it didn't work out. And, and I don't really blame anybody more money than they bought the club for, you know, so I don't, you know, and then they also had young players and they were losing some other players. So that, that's just the hard thing about being in that small market until you got more revenue sharing and more things to, to pass on, you know, that that's the tough thing about this game. And now I think with new TV contracts and, you know, internet and everything else, there's, there's more money to be spread out throughout the game. I mean, you got teams like Tampa now who are doing amazing that are, I mean, you've really looked at it, they're still like a small budget, you know, but they spend money because they have money now. So, and they're winning, but the game has definitely gotten out of that extra wild card. It's made it more exciting because now you have teams that are, I mean, there's a couple of years where we could have made a playoff if we had a second wild card, but that's what's made the game more exciting now because there's more teams in the hunt at the end. So you have more fan support. You have more people coming out going, hey, we got a chance. We're not that far back. And, you know, for Giambi to start, I I feel like I, before I knew everything about Giambi and his career, I didn't know he was like this scrappy guy coming up in the ranks, but that's ultimately what made him an Oakland A. There's a scrappiness there that the Oakland A's will always have. And that's why we always stress out, especially if you're going to host a post-game show, Ray. And it's the the eighth or ninth, and the A's are either up by two or down by two. It doesn't matter because you have no idea what the hell's gonna happen. And that's because of the scrappiness. And I feel like Giambi Giambi or like Canseco, McGuire, Stu, those guys all started it. Yeah, for sure. Now there's always been a, a bit of an edge to this franchise, and I you never know how each game is gonna end. You're right, but it's gonna be entertaining, no matter what result it ends up, whether a win or a loss for the green and gold. And I, I think Giambi personified that attitude. And it, I, you can just tell he has a ton of passion. You know, the full interview. Like, I don't want to say our clips aren't doing this interview glowing, justice. Ray. Yeah. He's glowing. The, yeah, go see the full interview on youtube.com slash athletics when you can. And it's, Townie said it best. It's not often when you get Giambi, but when you do, he opens up. And I, and I think that that's important because, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that, are casual baseball fans when they hear the Oakland A's they think Moneyball which is fine I understand that I mentioned Santangelo Sr. he hates that movie because he lived it and he knows there's a lot of dramatic changes and you have to do that Art Howe being a butthead that didn't happen the sodas wasn't correct and I feel like with him and Giambi he's more removed from it too so he gets excited to talk about it and the one thing that I love talking about these guys who used to play and Giambi mentioned it was like, they just miss the guys when they retire. That's what they miss. They miss the clubhouse. They miss being around their best friends. And I think about that often. I know we're going to talk about Sam Mole later, but I know he was a little nervous to start with his new team after leaving the A's because he was traded to the Reds, but that's all part of it. You get to meet a new set of friends. And, you know, now Giambi gets to relive that coming back to the Coliseum and being inducted into the A's hall of fame. And here's what he had to say about the induction. Uh, it's it's incredible. I, I'm I'm definitely honored. I mean, the A's, Mr. Fisher. I, I mean, it's where you start. You always have those memories of where you start. And I mean, I got to play with all my heroes when I first got there. You know, and from Mark to Eckersley to everybody else to the Hudson Molinzito, like to make that transition and and to be a part of some of those incredible teams. I, I mean, the fans that are there are die hard to die hard. I mean, they really are. And uh, it, it was amazing to play there. 
when it comes to his era, and I know I'm giddy. I'm so giddy though, right? Like this is the reason why, and not just because this was the era where I fell in love with the sport, but like I fell in love with the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa race before, and I was young, before I knew that Mark McGuire was even on the Oakland A's. I had no idea he was an Oakland A. But that's the thing. That guy made a storied career in two franchises. That's unheard of. And so Giambi's era, which you want to put the asterisk on it, it's fine. But you had his era where it was the eye test. It was hitting bombs. It was wearing crop tops and being this pop culture perspective. And then introduces us to the analytics of life, which is great. As a woman, I can't be on a panel with Dallas Braden and Bip Roberts and say, oh, we all have the same MLB background. That's not going to happen. So I depend on those numbers. But now we have this different era where we're introducing the flashiness once again, the analytics, the stats, the numbers, and we're kind of trying to create this new era of baseball. But you need the Giambis to sit down and remind you where it all stemmed from. That's why I'm like puppy dogs and candy canes right now, because that's that's the good stuff. And of course, Townie doesn't like loves to relive the fact that Giambi once took him yard. Yeah, I think you said it best. This really is a uh, a clash of the eras. It's a transitional period. Like everyone loves the long ball, but it came a time where it just that wasn't enough, and they wanted more. They wanted to know how often you can get on base without that true outcome. Maybe get some base hits, go foul pull with a foul pull. And what you do when you get on base, do you advance with a stolen base? And I think more and more as we went on throughout the years, it's become saturated, oversaturated in terms of stats. But I I do think there's space for those Giambi-like players where maybe the metrics don't say they're excelling, but the eye test, they pass it 100%. They know how to play and they can play hard. Metrics be damned at that point. Let's go. And I'm glad you mentioned that because actually coming up on Extra Base Hit, I do have an interview with Rocky's assistant to the general manager, Clint Hurdle. He stops by with us. But we talk a little bit about that because a lot of these old school guys, you know, think of Mark Kotze. He played 17 years in the bigs. You you think he's just going to throw analytics out the window? You can't do that. You know, and Bob Melvin, who very old school, was embracing the 2020 experimental roles. You know, so that's really cool. So make sure you guys uh, stay tuned. Com- coming up next on Extra Base Hit, my interview with Hurdle. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This is the way to see your favorite Star Wars characters take flight. Get your tickets for a -a one-of-a-kind Star Wars-themed drone show presented by Chevron Texaco Rewards on Saturday, August 19th. May the Force be with you as you head out to the ballpark for this matchup against the Baltimore Orioles followed by a dazzling post-game light show in a galaxy not so far away. You won't want to miss this. Get your tickets today at athletics.com slash drone shows. That's athletics.com slash drone shows. They got any uh, just coffee? Now back to Extra Base Hit on A's Cast. Here's Jessica Kleinschmidt. 
Welcome back to Extra Base Hit here on A's Cast. Now, the A's recently faced the Rockies taking two out of three contests. That was really fun, Ray. I love watching the A's hit bombs. And I know you said we love the long ball. This chick doesn't love the long ball, but I know Tommy Everidge, A's hitting coach, really appreciated the long ball there. He mentioned it himself on the pregame show. I'm very happy being in being a hitting coach right now and every hitting coach is happy to go to cores. You talk about not just the, how they're high up in the altitude, but it was warm. It feels like JP Sears, his secondary pitches were figured out. So he was also pitching a good game because pitchers have to worry about some of their secondary pitches, maybe not having much movement and those types of things. But when it comes to hurdle, he's working as the assistant to the GM of the Rockies, which is kind of this, build your own, I guess, job, which is really cool though, because he gets to create his own. And Clint has had many jobs, manager, coach, obviously a player. And he talks about that. And you want to throw analytics out there. Sure. You want to talk about player development. He's got you, but for Clint, who has held all these different roles and to go into a front office role, he breaks down the role, but also the impact that he has on these younger players. And we're talking about their infancy, double A, uh, single A, high A, what have you, um, from the moment that they're in the organization. So here's my talk with Clint Hurdle. A very special guest joins me today, special assistant to Rockies GM, my dear friend, Clint Hurdle. Clint, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today. Jessica, I'm so happy that you're covering the A's and you're back in business and you're doing what you do because you do it really well. So I'm happy to be be with you this I'm happy to be with you on this this broadcast. Me too. And you just gave me a better intro than I could ever give myself. So I appreciate that. And you know, <laughs> over the years it's been really cool to watch you hold so many of these job titles. And there have been many. We're talking manager, player, and now what you're doing now in the front office. But I read recently you called this the best job you've ever had. And why is that? Jessica, I, I have a, a belief that we are prepared for our future through all our past if we pay attention. Mm-hmm. There's many times in my life I wasn't paying attention. And once I got my feet firmly planted on the ground, I grew up with professional maturity, some uh, some spiritual maturity, some parental maturity. <laughs> I, I was able just to pay attention mm-hmm. and listen better. And I think at this point in time in my life, um, you know, I've been a manager, I've been a coach, I've been a player. Mm-hmm. I've been a dad, I've been a son, I've been a friend. So whatever comes across the table for the young players that I'm working with in our player development system or the younger managers and coaches that I'm engaging with, there's a good chance I've got a life experience at least to lean into mm-hmm. or to share. And I think at the end of the day, I'm trying to use my experience, strengths, from the past to provide hope for the future for our players, our our staffing, and to let them know that, you know what, you don't have to have it all figured out today Mm -hmm. Uh, because growth isn't linear. (laughs) You you watch it at the big league level every day. Mm -hmm. There's ups, there's downs, there's sideways. So I'm trying to be that guide on the side, uh, a little bit of a GPS system, not blaring orders, Mm -hmm. not making demands, but just encourage and prod. And there, there's the occasional arm around the neck saying, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, those, those are still in play too. A pat on the back, 
and a smack on the backside, you know, sometimes either one's necessary timing and presentation is what makes it happen. And, you know, that's so interesting to me because we're involved in a sport where you're defined by a number, whether you're doing well or whether you're doing poorly, if you will, you're going to have a number that's defining how you're doing. And we can talk about analytics versus the eye test in that. How are you able to kind of, I mean, over time, obviously analytics have been more introduced into the sport, but how do you kind of separate these young guys who are constantly, maybe they're constantly looking at their stats and their numbers. And do you kind of have to help silence them and say, the numbers are important, yes. But at the end of the day, you're still, we're still developing, you're, you're still developing yourself. Has that been a difficult thing for you to help some of these guys with at all? Sometimes it's more difficult depending on the individual. Yeah. And that's based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, what we, what we maybe can do more of is to actually get to know the people that are chasing the numbers or chasing the results. Mm-hmm. You know, that's our players. And I think all organizations pay attention and, you know, you put a puzzle together. Where did he come from? Did he have a, did he have a mom and dad? Was mm-hmm. there a father figure in his life? What was his upbringing like? Where did he grow up? I can't identify with a kid growing up in a barrio in a Latin American country. Right. I can't, I can't identify with a young man, uh, African American descent that has had his set of challenges. Um, you know, I'm, I've been entitled in a lot of ways and I just try and lean into those, those kids and listen and ask them questions. You know, what was important to them growing up? How are they going? We have a term that I've really kind of broached with our organization that this isn't about being old school mm-hmm. or, or, or new school. It's about being in school oh, wow. with each other. And it started in Pittsburgh with, start with Andrew McCutcheon. It started with those young players I had there, Neil Walker. Pittsburgh was a forward-thinking organization. That's when analytics were popping. We were probably head-to-head with Tampa. And then everybody's caught up in many past. But I've held on to the thought that I need to continue to learn and evolve. And if I could show these younger players that I'm still growing, I can encourage them to, hey, the growth isn't linear, as we said earlier. It's going to be day by day. But it's going to be what are you holding on to and what identifies you as a person? What are you actually in control of? They're in control of their preparation. Mm-hmm. They're in control of their reps. They're in control of their attitude and effort. Now just go play. Right. And the numbers will show up as they show up, and then we can learn a little something from them. But know that those numbers, they don't need to identify you unless you allow them to. Wow. And that's, I, I, you know, I talk to guys all the time, and, like, that's, I feel like that's the one thing that that's they, they struggle with, especially the younger guys. And, you know, on that note, I mean, the A's have a bunch of young talent and they're trying to figure some stuff out. And when you see these guys at their infancy and we're, we're talking about, you mentioned Andrew McCutcheon, you got to see him as an up and comer. What's it like watching these guys grow? Because we've talked about Starling Marte before, because you of course managed him and you've seen all of his growth and, that means they have a lot of, you know, bumps in the road in that aspect. But I mean, you've got to understand that that's all part of the process. What's it wa- like watching some of these guys over the years become the Andrew McCutcheon he is now back with his former team and, and things like that? Well, it can be very familiar watching your kids grow up. You uh-huh. know, I, have a, I have a 20 year old daughter, Madison, who's a special needs young adult now. Mm-hmm. And I have a son, Christian, who's graduated from high school, going to be going to the Culinary Institute of America later this summer to start on his next path. I watch a young players and again, try and honor, first of all, the work they do, 
uh, the time invested, um, their effort, their energy. I put a lot of emphasis on what kind of teammate they are too, because one of the, the biggest challenges is finding a way to get out of yourself. Yeah. Um, the smallest package in the world is a man wrapped up himself. Yeah. I've been that guy as well. Mm-hmm. So what I encourage these guys to do through the hard times, and there are always going to be those, is you got to find a way to root for somebody else until you, until your rooting time comes. Because when you can take the focus off yourself and your lack of, or your, you know, well, I'm not hitting, I'm not pitching, my slider's not sharp, my velocity's down, no, I can't get the ball in the air, or ball's on the ground. Start rooting for your buddies. Mm-hmm. Pour into the team. Find a different avenue for focus. And sometimes your skill set will come back to you mm-hmm. when you stop chasing it. Um, and you just kind of kind of lean into it, you know, when it's when you learn how to work through hard and know that adversity is definitely going to be part of it. And that's the big separator because a lot of young players either shut down or isolate mm-hmm. um, or try harder. Biggest excuse, and you hear it every day in a clubhouse. I try to do too much. Yeah. There comes a point in time where trying to do too much is no longer acceptable. It becomes an excuse. Don't try and do too much. It's not working. Look how that's been. Yeah. Do what you're capable of doing. Sometimes right now, it's a little bit less than maybe when you're hot or you're on a roll. So it's, it's that type of mentality that I'm watching Nolan Jones. I'm watching Brendan Doyle here. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Mike Tobley, a guy I've had the last year and a half on, on often our player development system come up and I'm rooting like heck for them. And I think the relationship we've built is they know I've been there. Mm-hmm. I was a very heralded rookie. You know, a lot was expected and it didn't happen. Um, little did I know that I might find my, my rhythm when it stopped playing. Yeah. Whether it be coaching or managing. So <laughs> more, more often than not, it's being, being a friend when they need a friend, but being, not that friend that needs to hang out with them, just to, where they can open up. I guess it, it's, it's having trust. Right. It's about the relationships and trust. I shouldn't even use the word friend. It's about trust. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think that's that's a very strong relationship to have. And it's, you know, when you're talking about these guys when they struggle, but they still have to root for their buddies. I think of Tony Kemp. He struggled in the first half and then took a break and he was still helping out the younger guys. And that's just who he is as a person. But have you noticed how difficult that could be for somebody who perhaps he's a highly touted prospect. And as time goes on, the pitchers haven't figured out what have you, have you noticed it's difficult for certain guys to, I don't want to say give advice to other guys, but help their buddies out when they've been struggling themselves. Well, it is. It's sometimes it's not so much giving advice. Uh It's just rooting for them. Right. You know, I think anytime you see really good teams, uh, and you've seen a few, they root for each other's success. Mm-hmm. You know, the celebrations. I, I'm actually one of the older guys. I love the home run celebrations. I love that. It kind, of freak, it kind of freaked me out, but then I, I get it now. <laughs> I get a lot of things now that I didn't get you know, 10 years right. ago. <clears throat> but many players, that's one of the biggest things, I think, in development, personal development they have to work through is knowing that it's not all about them. Mm-hmm. You know? when they can find that rhythm of some balance and that's hard to find. And I don't mean work life balance. I just mean balance mentally. Then you know what? This is today. This doesn't mean what tomorrow's going to be like. And I definitely can't keep looking in the rearview mirror yesterday because I can't do anything about that. It's finding that, 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 that good 
karma where, you know what, I got today's the only day I really have some control of. Let me just pour into that one, get my reps in, get my work in, and then trust my game skills and just go play. Because many times they're not playing the game, they're working the game. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, when it comes to these younger guys, and especially in your organization, a lot of injuries happen, they're inevitable. But I feel like the Rockies injury bug has been very hungry lately. You guys keep getting bitten by the injury bug. And, you know, when it comes to these, these Tommy John injuries, and we know how that can impact not only a player, but a younger guy, you know, how do you navigate with these injuries? Because for you, I know it's bigger for you. It's not just, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know it's rehab and you have to get back to it. But I would imagine for you, it's a bigger situation because you can't give up. And these guys, I could imagine being out for a season, a full year, that's got to be tough on them. It's, I can't imagine. I never had it. I mm-hmm. did have an injury that took most of my season away. And I learned some things to that. The Tommy John situation now has never been more on a rise. Mm-hmm. My own personal opinion is we are spending a lot of time chasing spin and velocity. Mm-hmm. And who knows what sometimes off-season protocols are and programs because you're not with your club structure or your pitching philosophy there. Guys are going independent contractors and hunting different things, but it's almost a point now where over 50% of pitchers in the big leagues have had Tommy John. Yeah. It's going to go higher, I think, in the next couple of years. And, but then you give them the science and show them the number of pitchers that have bounced back. And it's not just about throwing harder because almost all of them come back with a little more velocity, mm-hmm. but it's also about, okay, your arms are actually going to get a break. Mm-hmm. There aren't going to be innings. And what can we do to enhance some of the other skills in the time that we're not throwing and performing? And basically some days you got to hold their hand. Some days they're ready to go, but it's a growth and it's a challenge and how they deal with adversity is definitely going to speak volumes later on because they're going to have more of it. And I just encourage them to delay is not denial. Mm-hmm. You've had to hit pause in one area. Where can you continue to work and rep and do those other things to improve while you're not actually pitching? Yeah. Wow. And that's interesting that you talk about some of these external resources too, because I, I see ads for them all the time. And these, it's a lot of like former players that want to help with, with things that you're going uh, dealing with. And it's outside of the organization. I don't think about that stuff that often because they're kind of adding stuff into whether it's a rehab process or their offseason. You're not watching them 24-7. That's so interesting to think about. Well, that's why many, many organizations have come up with their own pitching labs, mm-hmm. you know, in their, in their spring training sites, and we're developing ours. And that's yeah. not to control. Uh-huh. It's just to give them a better option, we right. think. You know, you can come and be taken care of nutritionally, physically, um, condition-wise, with the arm maintenance programs and all that, it gives them another option and they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. But that's, that's up to the individual at the end of the day. Totally. Um, and before I let you go, you know, this, this trade that deadline's interesting, it possesses a lot of buyers across the league and you know, what's like from the time that you were a player to a manager, to your front office position, what have you noticed and what's your approach and just the vibe? Because your mentality changes and your different roles coming up to that August 1st deadline. What's, what's different this time around compared to your previous roles? 
Well, this one, it's not so much, well, I'm not in a vacuum, number one, because I used to be in the vacuum where you, you moved players, you acquired players, you had to tell people goodbye, you said hello to others. I've seen some players come in impact tremendously, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of deals that were made for impact, <laughs> no impact. Right, <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're always wary of the clubhouse by bringing new people in, but you can overthink it. Mm-hmm. If you have a need and and it's out there and most of the due diligence can be done, you want to bring good people in and good people that are going to fill the areas where you have weakness. So I've never, probably this is, it's always about pitching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really about pitching right now and controllable pitching. And for instance, a guy like Lorenzo, um, you know, in the AL with the Tigers, that's a good guy to kind of think about going to get if you can. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, and in our particular case, we have a lot of players that are on ending contracts that probably aren't going to be here as we move forward. Is there an opportunity to move them and replenish our pitching depth? Because we have had eight Tommy Johns this year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. This year we've had eight. If you look back 10 years, the last 10 years, we are 30th with the least amount of Tommy Johns. I was going to say, historically, y'all don't do that. So that's crazy. Maybe you guys are making up Maybe for lost got, times. I don't we're know. We're trying to catch up. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. This year, which is unfortunate. <laughs> But we're about securing pitching depth, not just help, helping our big league club, but getting guys in the double-A range mm-hmm. that could be ready in a year, uh, you know, less than a year, year and a half max, and, and go from there. So we're looking for pitching, um, and we're looking for kids that want a new opportunity. It's not an easy environment to pitch at Coors Field. That's why we play in Albuquerque and AAA, because that's actually higher elevation. It gives our guys a test lab to work through. So... It's an exciting time of year for everybody. Fans, writers, journalists, yourself, to mm-hmm. keep an eye on the trade market and what's happening. Uh, the game's the game's in a pretty good place. Mm-hmm. You look at attendance, um, 37,000 last night to watch the Rockies and the A's yeah. on Friday night in Denver. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's very cool. No, I agree. No, I really, I'm glad that you mentioned that too, like being old school and kind of embracing everything new that's going on. Um, Clint, you've been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. You get it anytime, Jessica. I wish you nothing but the best. All right, that was Clint Hurdle, assistant to the GM of the Rockies. I think it's super cool to see below the surface level, the things that go into what we're seeing on the field, Ray, because if I wasn't at or like in the midst and hearing all these things, like we obviously have David Forrest on the show a lot. If we didn't have that much exposure, I feel like we'd be so tunnel visioned and seeing, okay, Geloff's hitting well, great. Soderstrom may, you know, hit a home run his first of the, of his big league career. Maybe he's figuring things out. What's the deal with these veterans? We don't get to see the in-depth, Basically, these guys getting born and getting discovered, these superstars. And we're going to talk about Geloff later on in the show. But that's so interesting to me because we bring a human interest into it. And Clint Hurdle will put his arm around these players and saying, we're all trying to figure it out because Clint's, Clint's been there, you know? Yeah, like everyone has ups and downs. Everyone has their peaks and valleys. So I, I really appreciate listening to that interview with, with Clint that they take that into account because they realize there's a human side to everything. There's a human behind those numbers. And they have to access that part to get the best out of them. And that includes the physical, that includes the mental, the the support, emotional support too, because it's, it's tough. If it was easy playing pro baseball, everybody would do it. And that goes for a lot of things in life. But these guys are 
hard workers and it's really welcoming that Clint who's been around he could definitely have that old school mentality where like oh just brush it off and get over it but he relates to these players on a, on a emotional level which is awesome to hear it's such a unique sport because I think about how every every era transitions and that's it's every sport deals with changes the changes with with baseball though go from small changes to drastic changes and obviously when you don't have a clock attached to it it does now which is kind of interesting you think about nfl nba you can shave time it's easy you just take off a minute or two right for mlb to do that you have to introduce a clock to it which blows my mind and we can go into the new rules later on in a different episode but I, it just blows my mind. Like I think about, cause you know, my dad grew up in a certain era, like what he would think about today's baseball. He'd be like a, pi- a pitch clock. What is that? But same thing. A lot of fans are embracing it, you know, and they get to tuck in their kids at 10 o'clock at night. Like, let's go. They're not fighting to get on BART at one o'clock in the morning, these types of things. So that's always, it just like, it's, it's just so interesting to me. I don't know. Coming up next, Ray, and I will go over the MLB trade deadline. I'm still sobering up from the hangover of that and give our reactions. And we talk about the bright spot and the future of the A's. You're listening to Extra Base Hit here on A's Cast. A's fans need Friday night plans? Well, we got you covered. Get four tickets and parking for any Friday night game starting at just $49 with the Friday four-pack presented by Chevrolet. Save big and enjoy great matchups, post-game fireworks and drone shows, giveaways, and more this 2023 season. And he drills one to right way back and no doubt, and that quickly the A's have taken the lead second deck. Friday night tickets are available at athletics.com value. That's athletics.com value. Summertime is golf time in the Bay Area, and that means it's time to enjoy the beautiful vistas, 27 holes of championship golf, and all the amenities that Cinnabar Hills Golf Club has to offer. Cinnabar Hills gives you a variety on the course and in their amazing grill. They're ready to give you an incredible experience for any family, business, or social gathering. Nestled in the quiet hills of San Jose, summertime fun awaits you at Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Learn more at CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. Back from our coffee break. Oh, my God. That is the best coffee I've ever tasted. It's time for more Extra Base Hit on A's Cast. Here's Jessica Kleinschmidt. Welcome back to Extra Base Hit. Jess and Ray here. So let's talk the trade deadline. We're going to talk about what the A's did or didn't do. For starters, let's go over what came to fruition, the most recent being the Diamondbacks acquiring infielder Jace Peterson for double-A pitcher Chad Patrick. There was also cash sent over to the Diamondbacks in the deal. Patrick has a 4.71 ERA and 19 starts with double-A Amarillo this season. I was kind of shocked at first. I mean, I was more shocked about what the A's got than Jace Peterson being dealt. That didn't surprise me whatsoever. I think the surprising thing that, and the thing, I guess the thing I was more excited about was Jordan Diaz, was the fact that, okay, maybe we'll see him at third base again. There's obviously Jonah Bride. That's an option. But Jordan Diaz, the dude is doing really well at first base too, right? And sticking up or sticking up, sticking some of those pitches or those throws while Ryan Noda deals with, you know, his broken jaw that he still managed to play with. And he's been digging out these balls, but still able to, to stretch well. He can still play second base. He can play third base. And we talked to Cots about 
earlier Diaz's future as far as the infield goes, because Diaz at one point didn't have any sort of defensive position at one point, and now he's able to play multiple positions. So do you think they're just going to have a situation where Diaz will play there sometimes? Jonah just got called up again, so maybe they're going to do some stuff with that. It's definitely a unique situation they have going there. They have multiple options at third base. I mean, we can even talk about Zach Geloff potentially playing over there. It's kind of where he first started, even though now he's at the second base position. But Diaz has been asked a lot defensively this year between third base, DHing, first base now. And I think he's becoming more comfortable at first. I think we saw that throughout the Rocky series, the ups and downs that he's had. And he, he's a quick learner, it seems. And there's no doubt he needs to be in that lineup now regularly with the trade deadline coming and gone because his bat is legit. So they just need to find ways to get him going. And it's going to be interesting when this team gets healthier with Ryan Noda coming back, Estuay Ruiz coming back. Where are we going to put all these guys? Because I was was surprised that the A's didn't make more moves. I was emotionally prepared for a Tony Kemp move. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I did talk to Chad Patrick. I do know him. And he said, I think this is a great opportunity to be part of this organization and help turn the ship around to be successful in the next couple of years. Looking forward to make making strides here with the A's organization. So I just spoke to him. He actually just sent me that. I'm excited for these younger guys too. My mentality was if you just got, you went over to the A's organization this season, a wash. We're not going to talk about it. But imagine being a part of the future. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about Geloff and then Soderstrom and all these other things. I couldn't be more excited about these younger guys in a long time. And I will I will call out Brody Brazil from NBC Sports California. Tyler Soderstrom hits a home run yesterday. And Geloff has a game. And he said, that reminds me a lot of Chappie and Oli. And I stupidly never put the two and two together. Like, oh my gosh, this is the, near, the next Chappie and Oli. And those guys shaped the organization for years. So that's that's exciting to see. We'll, t- we'll touch on that later. But when it comes to another trade that was made, we all figured Sammy Spinrate was going to be dealt. I think that was just kind of one of those scenarios. He was strong coming out of the bullpen. He was traded to the Reds for right-handed pitcher Joe Boyle. He gets to share a clubhouse with Joey Votto. So obviously I'm very jelly. But the deal also had Cincinnati receiving some international bonus pool money from Oakland. Like I said, wasn't too surprised to see the trade. But I think especially with the Reds, because they're not a contender, it's but they're building something there with Ellie de la Cruz and these younger guys and Encarnacion. Like the it's it was an interesting trade for me, but I, I, I don't understand it a hundred percent. I honestly was surprised we dealt Sam Mall. I know mm-hmm. when I talked to Commander Cody about it, he's like, Oh, I, I predicted this. I'm like, Well, good for you. That's but, all he cares about yeah. is getting the prediction right. <laughs> so good for you, Nostradamus, but some of us are a little more in the dark Congrats, here. Congrats, Cody. Yeah. But i was interested Interesting, the, mo- the most part of this trade that pr- intrigued me the most, I should say, is who we got back from the Reds. We traded Sam Mole, lefty reliever, guy of shorter stature, has a ton of spin rake, and we got back this monster of a dude who's like almost 6'7", 200-plus pounds, throws really hard, but met, like doesn't have a ton of location just yet. That was the most intriguing part of this trade, was the, the body type we got back from the Reds in exchange for Mole. It was almost polar opposites. So I'm, I'm curious what we're going to do with another power arm in the system because you look the current state of the minor league system for the A's, the, the arms are few and far between. This team needs to get pitching across their organization again, it, especially with the younger guys. You have Medina, Miller once he's healthy again. 
but went to go beyond maybe triple a a couple guys it's not great at this point it could be better yeah and i i'm not saying what you're saying is incorrect every single team needs pitching i think it doesn't matter where you're at in the system but when it comes to this particular team like or this particular scenario i i didn't even think about like the stature difference right so that's kind of interesting but there's obviously something they saw in Boyle where they're like, we can fine tune that. We can figure that part out, gosh willing. Because I will say, if Scott Emerson is the guy who's just been phenomenal figuring some of these pitchers out, he's just been sensational. We're talking about Fuji. We're talking about, I mean, obviously Caprillion is done for the season. He's out after undergoing arthroscopic surgery. But when it comes to these other guys, just seeing how he's able to figure out what's wrong with them and find Luis Medina is getting better. Hogan Harris, of course, was very up and down. He just got, he's back down in AAA. Once again, maybe he'll figure some stuff out. And even with, with Hogan, he learned so much in such a short amount of time. And I talked to him about that. And he said, if I'm going to mess some stuff up, might as well be with the big leagues. And imagine just going back down to AAA and figuring those things out. And I feel like we're going to have a lot more of that because just like last season, we had a couple of guys come on to the A's last minute just to kind of get their feet wet in the bigs, you know? And I feel like that can be another scenario uh, this time around. So yeah, but right there with you, I emotionally prepared for a Tony Kemp trade. And by that, I mean, I lit some sage. I did all kinds of things. I was I was prepared. And the reason being was, and it was thanks to, you know, Saris who stopped by A's Total Access or A's Cast Live, one of those. I think it was both because we will replay some of these interviews. And he talked about how valuable Tony Kemp is in some of these trade possibilities. And obviously his bat was getting hotter, but think about it from this scenario because of his versatility. And I'm not just talking about the utility management. I'm talking about putting him on base in a clutch scenario. I'm talking about him coming off the bench in a clutch scenario. I'm talking about giving back to the younger guys who were scared to death to handle the postseason. He knows how to handle the postseason. He kept listing all these things and that just added to his value. I was shocked Polly Blackburn wasn't dealt. I was shocked Seth Brown wasn't dealt. And we had Robert Murray, of course, baseball insider on the show. And he said the Astros and the Yankees were interested, but he was expensive, which props to Brown for being expensive. But I'm a little curious what the A's were looking at there to not pull the trigger. I was looking at a, a crazy Oprah scenario. You get a player, you get a player, you get a I was waiting for that to happen. It yeah. didn't happen. Aledemus Diaz is still on the team. Ramon Laureano is still on the team. Obviously, I'm stoked. I love these guys. I don't have to like create a new relationship to get interviews. Like my boys are still there, but like, dang dude, I was really surprised. Yeah. I think we were expecting a fire sale going towards August 1st. And I, I think selfishly we're happy to have these guys still around, but we know also selfishly that they're in the way right now for this younger generation to come through they're there or give them an opportunity to go to the playoffs right exactly they go get a ring go go for it go get a ring especially tony's heading into free agency exactly might, this might be his last time with the a's and would we blame him for wanting to to do something else like not at all mm -hmm. um and maybe see i had to coach myself into saying that right you know the entire time i was like don't talk about tony he's don't touch him leave him alone I was, I was like ready. I was like, no, he deserves that. Right. You know? Um, and so some of the bigger trades, of course, that occurred, the Rangers did acquire Max Scherzer. <sighs> They'll be in town um, here in a little bit. 
Um, let's talk about the Mets. Yes, let's. <laughs> w, yeah, first of all, like, let's all preface Ray Ray is a Mets fan because he hates himself. But True. I also want to talk about the fact that Verlander was dealt as well. He's, he's back with the Astros. So they're being reintroduced to, or they're being introduced to the AOS. I don't know what number of teams this puts Max Scherzer on, but he's definitely somebody to pay attention to if you play Immaculate Grid. But this is crazy to me. Not the trades themselves. Like, this makes sense. But the fact that the Mets just, they're garbage now. And, and all the money, so much money, money that I can't even fathom, and I'm bougie. The money that I can't even believe exists that they put into their payroll is they're elsewhere now. It's crazy to me. So Scherzer is going to be on the Rangers for a while. What? Yep. The most expensive payroll in Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball history, really. Mm-hmm. And you kick the tires on the team four months in. It's mind-blowing. But yeah. I'll, I'll give the Mets credit. They at least realize, well, we're paying these guys and Scherzer and Verlander all this money, and they're not going to win us a pennant. So why not send them elsewhere, take that gamble on these prospects, and see what we get in the next two or so years. I'll credit Billy Epler for telling Max Scherzer, hey, we're probably not going to compete in 24. It's going to be looking at 25. Because Billy knew the answer that would be coming out of Scherzer's mouth. Be like, well, then maybe I think my services should be elsewhere. I don't I don't know if he demanded a trade, but knowing Scherzer and the competitor he is, he's like, well, then let's put myself in a more competitive environment. I was thinking that too. Like Scherzer's always just like, oh, I'll play for the Mets, but I'm not going to finish with the Mets. Like, like he can just make that decision. And right, he freaking earned it, dude. The guy's insane. Yeah. I, I would, I love watching that guy pitch. It's terrifying and not even just like what he does, like the pitches themselves, like just him as a pitcher. I'm so glad I don't have to face him. I'm glad I get to just talk and write about him and I'm good. That guy terrifies me. And we're talking about AFL, Arizona Fall League Hall of Famer, Mr. Max Scherzer. That's where I met him. I, that's my my one claim to fame. Obviously, the Dodgers acquiring Lance Lynn didn't surprise me whatsoever. But I think the one thing that I was kind of surprised with was the Boston Red Sox. They didn't do anything and especially they acquired Urias who's been struggling not just in the bigs but the minors like that guy's not good so I did my research and and Heim Bloom coming from the Rays the reason why he's with the Red Sox is because they want him to utilize his talents to make this team without a lot of monetary value mind you the Rays are getting the go-ahead to spend money now because they're figuring things out and Shohei's going to be a free agent. Uh, Buster only says that could be the the mystery team to go in or the wild card team to go in on, on Shohei. But for them to do, it was just, it was very interesting. But, but Bloom, what was interesting was he talked to the team. He talked to the team and says, what do you guys, what do you guys need? And it wasn't like in the notebook scenario with Ryan Gosling asking Rachel McGann, what do you want? It was, what do you think we could benefit from? And they don't make any moves. And they were only a few games out of a playoff contending spot a couple days ago. And so that, that really, that shocked me. And mind you, we talked about this, the buyer's market. So was it, I couldn't imagine what some of these guys were being asked for. So that I think about the Seth Brown scenario, if that, if that was, if those reports were true, they are, cause I trust Robert Murray with everything, but it's just, when it comes to some of these things, it's like, wow. So I will say it was very much, like I say, I got a hangover from the trade deadline that didn't 
need to take place. It was like, eh, okay. I don't want to say it was a not interesting trade deadline. It was, especially I think the biggest storyline was just the Mets implosion. That that was the mm-hmm. biggest shocker, if anything, from this trade deadline. But I, I was a little surprised that some teams were not as aggressive as they should have been or as selling as they should have been. But I think that's really the environment we're in with these three wildcard spots now. A lot of teams kind of are on the fence and then go the other way. Like the Cubs are a great example. I think a lot of people going into July thought the Cubs might have been sellers when it came to August, but they decided to stick with it to their credit and they're playing really well. So their gamble might Mm -hmm. pay off. And that's, what's interesting too, is like, what did they see that we don't, right? I mean, they, that's why they get paid the big bucks to see the patterns and the, and the, the numbers and the analytics and, and everything else. But I think from the other perspective and you know, me, I'm very, you know, romantic about all this crap. I wish I wasn't, but I see something in a lot of the guys that should be, on playoff contending teams and they can like from from the a's like i feel like seth brown could be a really solid bat and a power bat and he deserves a change of scenery in certain aspects I, we mentioned tony kemp Vladimir diaz knows how to handle a postseason ramon laureano could benefit any outfield but i could see them saying well he was injured and he didn't get a lot of playing time what have you but that guy I would do anything to have a Ramon Laureano on my playoff team, period. The way that he handles himself in high leverage situations, that's a guy I'm I'm calling off the bench. Imagine having such a good team where you call Ramon Laureano off the bench. Like, that's great. And, like, you're going to cover all that ground. And, you know, and like you mentioned, Ruiz is probably going to be coming back sooner rather than later. Noda will return. Like you said, we're not going to know what to do with a lot of these guys. Or maybe they saw an injury that was a little bit more there's something worse going on that we don't know about and they have to hold on to some of these guys. Um, you know, me, I don't like to start rumors. Yes, I do. Um, anyways, so we're going to, before we let everybody go, we need to talk about the number one bright spot that has just been, my mind's been blown and that's Zach Geloff. Of course, I put all my, my eggs in the Tyler Soderstrom basket and rightfully so. I think he's figuring things out. I also was there when he got drafted. So I definitely had more attachments to him. He got his first big league home run last night. So he's figuring some things out. But him and Geloff got brought on or called up together. Geloff in 17 games, he's batting 242, striking out just 23 times in 66 at bats, 12 runs, 16 hits, four doubles. One triple, five home runs, eight RBI. He's stolen five bags. These are the numbers that you want to see from somebody, Ray Ray, who just got his big promotion. But the thing that I love about him the most is his attitude. And when I when I was talking about him, we're talking about how aggressive he is. I'm not we're, I'm not talking about the the approach at the plate or the fact that he's willing to steal bases. He walks in there like he's been on that major league team the entire season he has a job and he's doing it and even the like jp sears these guys are like yeah like he he's a solid dude like he's got it figured out you know and there's no nerves there i feel like soderstrom's gonna figure some stuff out i think i mean his workload was a little bit bigger because you have a catcher you have a first baseman you have all this you know, power that you want to possess. You're big, you that you are supposed to replace Matt Olson. It's a lot. And they want you to be the next pro this Buster Posey prodigy guy. Like I get that. So I think all in all, these two guys are giving the A's something to be very excited about. I think to this point they've kind of come as advertised. I know 
Soderstrom's had a slower start than I think we would have expected, but I did not anticipate this much power from Geloff out of the gate. I got to feel like I'm Shaq here, right? Oh, Geloff, an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game, man. He he has just been going off at the plate, and it, and it's great to see. And it, you know, you look at his frame. He's not just your stereotypical. Oh, he's a solid defender, second baseman. He has pop from foul pole yeah. to foul pole. Yeah, no, it's it's been great to see. And right there with you, I'm like, my bad, my bad, homie, my bad. So it's just it's it's great to see. And I I just feel like we still have guys coming up. We have Butler and Clark and Hernias. Like these guys are just making a big impact. And I feel like. It sucks because at the end of the day, we're all defined by a number in this game, the wins and losses. Uh, JP Sears is the perfect guy to talk about. His wins aren't necessarily there. And it's what's interesting is I, I'm the, the cool girl, right? I call myself the cool girl when I make these cool references surrounded by my friends who don't know anything about baseball. Like pitcher wins don't matter. But sometimes they do because we need to show that these guys have this, 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 and this. And you're not going to sit there and explain oh, well, the defensive capabilities weren't backing him up. They didn't hit the ball for him. And J- and I think me personally, I know for a fact, JP is a guy that you want to win for if you're on his team. He's a guy you want to fight to the death for, front lines, all the things. And, you know, we, we personally saw his actual frustration. So these things come into effect. So when those things aren't showing, people want to know why. And we're not going to be sitting there totally in like I swear they, that they're good I prop the numbers don't show you can only say that so much you can only say that so much until people are like shut up Jess like the numbers aren't showing I'm like fine you're right but it's good I, I I'm I have a lot of ex- like look I'm excited I'm so excited for this team in the next few years Ray like I'm just stoked and it it took me a while to kind of like see what was going on and obviously injuries happen so you were not seeing all the possibilities out on the field right now with Ruiz and of course Noda and everything else. I feel like Noda, we talked about it, the best rule five get for the A since Mark Canna. And that's great company to be in. Canna's also uh, was traded to the Brewers. So that's going to be interesting for him. He did really well with the Mets. We can talk about all these trades until the cows come home, but yeah. What if I, I was very energetic today. It must've been half of my fake brownie protein bar. Yeah, you're you're fired up now. I'm fired up, and not just because the Jersey Shore has a, a reunion oh, out now. That's so. true. Now you know what what does it for me. All right, well, it's, I'm I'm looking forward to a really fun homestand. Obviously, the Giants are going to be playing hard because they're right there in their division, and the Rangers are always a tough team to beat. But I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully, we uh, we get to catch up with some old friends in the Rangers. I believe Marcus Simeon should be hopefully stopping by Ace Cast Live one of these oh, days cool. with, with Townie and Cody. So that'll be a a great watch, great listen. So stay tuned for that. It's a short trip back home, but great series coming up with Bay Bridge and then the Rangers. And of I course, will the say the, the the last home stand was like that was a long one. It was a long one. I I had to fill up my gas tank quite a bit to go over to the Coliseum. Not that I don't love it. I obviously love it, but all right, cool. We'll see you guys. And thank you for stopping by Extra Base Hit, and we'll see you at the ballpark. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is the number one brand of online mattresses and the Bay Area's favorite mattress store. Take home the Easy Breather Pillow. The New York Times calls it their number one pick. You can navigate their easy news website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep.
This is Chris Townsend, and if you're looking for a great place to eat and watch games, go see my friends at the Chicken Pie Shop at Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop is one of the hottest restaurants in Walnut Creek. You're not going to find a better menu and come try their world-famous chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 86 years. Spacious indoor and outdoor dining, perfect for your next private party or corporate event. Don't forget free parking. For more information, go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.